This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. In a Strauss & Co. auction held earlier this year, Vladimir Tretyakov's 1974 portrait of Ellen Peters sold for 1.4 million rand. Writing in the Times Live, Boris Gorelick describes the history behind the portrait as follows. In 1973, a young colored woman in Cape Town by the name of Ellen Peters, a finalist in Miss Africa South competition, was proclaimed Newsmaker of the Year by the Cape Town Press Club. To celebrate the occasion, she appeared at their ball, a rare multiracial event, with other heroes of the day. One of them was the artist Vladimir Trichikov. Her silver sequin dress caught his eye, and he was so impressed by her beauty that he asked her to sit for this portrait. Today, Ellen Peters goes by the name of Ilana Skolnik-Kazanovsky, and she belongs to the South African Chabad Lubavitch community. She joins me now to tell me how she got to where she is today. Ilana, welcome, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, Hashem, thank you so much, and a very good day to you and the listeners of HiFM. Ilana, when um, Boris Gorelick describes what happens, you can almost feel the glamour of the ball at which you met Trichikov. And I wonder if you can take us back to that evening. It was in 1984. No, it was 19... Sorry, sorry, sorry. It was 1973 when I was crowned Miss Africa South. And I came back from London having participated in the Miss World Contest. I was nominated then as a semi-finalist. The Miss Africa South Contest was sponsored, you may know this, by Harry Solash, whose name, Hebrew name was Herschel. Harry came from the Oxford Shul community, and he decided it was time for the so-called people of color of this country to also participate in the Miss World. So that was uh, an incredible change, game changer in my life. Crowned the Miss Africa South in the uh, then affluent Carlton Hotel here in Johannesburg. Harry sent me to New York. I was chaperoned by his daughter, Marion. And in New York, it was there that they designed and prepared for me a, a flashy wardrobe, including this silver gown. So one year later, in 1974, after having gone to one year of being Miss Africa South and the glamour that went with it, that is when I sat for this portrait, a year after I met Trechi at the ball. It was quite an experience for me coming from the uh, community where I was born and having been born under the mantle of apartheid, driving up to... um, a beautiful mansion in Cape Town in the whites-only area of Bishop's Court, and then meeting Trechi for, for the second time. I was welcomed by his wife and taken to his studio. That was my very first experience sitting in a studio and being painted, being a muse of a famous artist. Had I known then that I that my painting would sell for so much, I would have asked him for an autographed copy. And more so, had I known then that I, I had the gift to also paint, I, I could have asked him to have become mighty. It was an amazing experience for me to sit for Trechi. He was, he was very, very famous 
but he was extremely humble and easy to work with. It must have been unbelievable experience um, to, as you've just described it. What was he like? I met Trechi a few times after sitting for that portrait. At one stage, I met him here in Johannesburg, just outside Johannesburg. And he told me that the portrait was sold to a couple in Johannesburg. So it's quite an amazing experience being told by this very famous artist that your portrait is hanging in somebody's lounge. But he was extremely pleasant. He introduced me to the to a drink. It was actually tea with fresh apple. He had a history coming from, I think, from Odessa and traveled to Asia. He was more fascinated that I looked like like the people in Asia, the Indonesians, the Balinese. And I think this is what draw him to invite me to sit for this portrait. Ilana, it is an incredibly beautiful portrait, and anybody who hasn't seen it can Google it. Did you lose <laughs> track of the painting? No, it is. I mean, I, I can see it was in this article written by Boris Garlick. He describes you in such beauty, um, you know, holding your own gaze and timeless beauty. And I really do recommend people uh, go and have a look at it. It is beautiful. Ilana, having said that, did you lose track when, when the announcement by Strauss and Co that they were auctioning off your painting, had you kept track of your painting or did that come as a surprise to you? I received a call from Boris Gerdig, or not a call, I, I received an email from him several years ago because he wrote a book about Tretikov. And when I received his WhatsApp a few months ago regarding this auction, it took me by surprise. Indeed, I was surprised. It's not something that you, you, you think about, but it's not something you think about all the time. From time to time, you remember that once upon a time, in 1974, that's a long time ago, when both Stretch and I, we were nominated as Newsmakers of the Year by the Cape Town Radio and Press Association. And there I also met Harry Swatch, who was then the leader of the oppos- opposition party, I think it was at the time, and another politician. So Cape Town being rather liberal. They cross the lines of apartheid from time to time. But we were still very cautious because apartheid was a vicious, ugly, cruel system. And for us who were born under the mantle of being non-white in this country, we labeled as such, it was not an easy thing to, to, to watch. It left its emotional dense from time to time and now looking back and especially what's happening in the world today there are certain things to which we can so easily relate Trechi had the he had the need to to paint people of color because many of his models were people of color Ilana, so from the beginning, you had beauty, you had um, fortune. Can you tell me a little bit about your spiritual journey? By the grace of the mighty, I grew up in a beautiful home. 
with parents who put God first and to whom color and religion meant that you should be kind to everybody. At my mother's kitchen table sat Jews, Muslims, Christians. And as one of my neighbors told me a few years ago, my mom's home was a shelter for many. But my father, having participated during World War II in the great battle of El Amain in North Africa, together with Field Marshal Montgomery against Rommel, the Nazi Machmam, protecting the Holy Land of Israel from the Nazis entering into Cairo. And then the goal was to travel to Jerusalem. And to think that my father participated in this war gives me goosebumps. And after that, he went to Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, as we say. And then from there, they continued to Italy until the end of the war. Upon his return, after my parents got married, we always heard when I was born, my father traveled to England, where he was he was nominated to participate in the King George leadership course, had tea at in Buckingham Palace. Upon his return, we were brought up very much with the pomp and ceremony of the British and encouraged that we we should go abroad. There's a life out there, my parents always said. And my mother, her grandfather was Scottish and her other grandfather was French. So we grew up with a very mixed family of all colors. And my mother's grandmother, who married the Frenchman, was a dark skinned woman from Cape Town. So we are a blended family and we have Christian, Jews and Muslims in our family. And we learned from our parents to love mankind, to be kind, to be happy, to be happy when somebody succeeds and to go for it, despite the fact that we were regarded as second class citizens. And that is what happened. So I ended up in Greece where I worked for Transworld Airlines, getaway vacations. And then a friend of mine, where I left my car for long-term parking, requested that I record a message in English at their office in case any of their clients would call. The Greeks had a holiday, four-day holiday, and I did so. And then somebody called a friend of his and heard my voice. And that is how I met Israeli-born Naman Shkolnik, who became my husband. The conversion for you was an easy process and um... not at all. It was not easy. When he proposed marriage, I said, let's go and get married in Hong Kong because we couldn't get married in South Africa. It was against the laws of apartheid. He was considered white. And as you know, I'm a person from the Cape Colored community. We couldn't get married in Greece. They didn't have civil marriages. We couldn't get married in Israel because I wasn't Jewish. So my choice was Hong Kong. And his response to that was, I can't. I am a Jew. I must get married under the chuppah. He never asked me to convert. My response to that was, I'll pray to God and he'll give me the answer. Because I knew within my soul that it had a spiritual task that I had to, to decide from Shemaim if I belong to the people of Israel or not. And that was the process. And when I came to that realization, indeed, that I was meant to be part of the 
people of Israel. I remember I was eight years of age at the school I attended in Kensington, where the teacher requested from the students to, to learn by heart the verses of Ruth. Beseeched me not to leave thee, for where thou goest, I will go. Thy God shall be my God. I remember that until this day. And I used to recite it with such pain in my heart, not understanding the meaning of those words, until I converted. And when I won the contest, somebody, a Jewish friend of our family, Ivor Pelse, of blessed memory, he gave me a Magen David. And there was one song I always cried out to Hashem, land me safe in the land of Canaan. I always sang that. So my my heart and my soul was drawing me to the land of Israel. My father had in a glass cabinet a stone on which he wrote Jerusalem. So when Naman of blessed memory proposed marriage and I had come to the realization that I could commence my studies in Judaism, he asked me, where do you want to live? We could live in Australia or we could live in Israel. I immediately responded Israel because of that stone that was left in the glass cabinet since I was born. That really drew me. It, it was my soul. And then we met Rabbi Nachman Bernard, otherwise known as Rabbi Norman Bernard here in Johannesburg who happened to be the rabbi of Harry Solash. And the rabbi introduced me to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, to the Shluchim of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in Tel Aviv, who then directed us to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And that was the beginning of an incredible, incredible journey of my spirituality. On this coming Shabbos, it's going to be Yud Bet Tammuz. It's the day we celebrate as the day that the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe Rabbi Yosef Itzek was released from prison and exile in the former Soviet Union. And then, of course, our Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, took over the leadership. When I met the Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, I saw the light around the Rebbe. I saw his, his aura. He looked at me, and within that look, my entire world changed. Hmm. I, could, I started to connect to the essence of my soul without realizing it. And thus began a journey of my spiritual soul until one day I sat down. For me, when I light Shabbos candles, I used to sit in Eretz HaKodesh and look at it. And I could feel that I was in the right place at the right time and that I belonged to the people of Israel. And that, for me, was a homecoming. Ilana, I started this interview by um, quoting Boris Gorlick and describing his story. So I'm going to end the interview by quoting him once again and saying that you have a truly unique South African story and um, thank you so much for sharing it and unfortunately we have run out of time but uh, thank you it, it is an incredible story I think you're going to be my guest uh, I think we can talk about a lot of things Ilana so I'm going to have you more often but thank you very much for joining me and just to wish you Shabbat Shalom. Thank you I, I just want to wish everybody Going through this virus, there's a, a short story I'll tell you of Rabbi Nikol, of Nikolaev. He used to daven for 40 days for one of the rabbis who took ill in the former Soviet Union, who had typhus, and he was in quarantine. And through his prayers, he survived. This rabbi who survived became the grandfather of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So all the prayers we as a community are now reciting for our fellow brethren, who are in great need of our tea and prayers. May all our prayers 
enter up in heaven and may God send real good. Mashiach now. God bless and good Shabbos to you and to all the listeners. Thank you very much.